good speed and might get above all the way down to the tonight. He is mighty in strength and he is strong in power. And just the same as he's always been, he has a You got your Bible tonight, so we go to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 4 tonight. Last night we were in 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Tonight we go to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding the marriage, commanding to abstain from meats which God created to be received with thanksgiving, repentance, believe, and made true. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received. Thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and the prayer. Let's go to that tonight. We can eat just about anything as long as we pray and bless it. Aren't you glad we eat some chicken tonight? Aren't you glad we can eat some Mexican food and we can go out and we can have just about whatever we want to eat and just bless it in the name of Jesus? Aren't you glad for that? We're Baptists, aren't we? We like to eat, right? All right. Amen. Verse 6, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, where unto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' tables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little. Does anybody say amen to that tonight? <laughs> Maybe we got some people like exercise, don't we? Bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. God, we bow humbly before your throne of grace. Lord, we bless your name and tell you that we love you because you first loved us. We come to thank you for Calvary. We thank you for that precious blood. Oh, God, it flows down from Calvary's tree. We thank you for it tonight. God, we thank you that you got up out of the grave and you're alive forevermore. Lord, we thank you for your wondrous works in our lives. Thank you for blessing us beyond all measure. God, we didn't have to be at church tonight, God, but you have allowed us the honor and the privilege to come into this place tonight, Lord, to meet with your people, God, to meet with the family of God, and to have your spirit among us, Lord God. And I know that you're here, Lord, because I brought you with me down inside my heart. But God, we pray tonight that you might bless your word, Lord. I sing now where no man must dare to stand alone, God. Need your power, need your unction, need an utterance utterance and boldness from you tonight, God. We pray that you would manifest your spirit, that you would reveal yourself to your people, God. We need you tonight. If we don't have you, nothing's going to happen, Lord. All is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down, God, and you just take over the service and you do what you want to do, God, save souls, change lives, draw us closer to you, and we'll bless your name, we'll give you the honor and the glory of which you are so worthy of. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. 
We are here in First Timothy chapter number four, and just as we said last night in First Timothy one, we understand this letter to the people of God. He is writing, and Timothy, yes, we understand, is a minister for Jesus, but we can apply all the things that Paul is saying, Timothy, to our own lives and learn from them. So we look here in First Timothy four. It says, "Now the Spirit speaketh expressly," which is meaning the Spirit is speaking with authority and boldness and certainty. There is no question to what the Spirit is saying. Because, you see, when God says it, that settles it whether we believe it or not. It is a, it is a word of authority. It is a word that is certain and is settled in heaven forever and forever. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly. Aren't you glad when we can hear from the Spirit, when we can hear from God, and we don't have to just hear from a man and hear what a man has to say, but we hear from God Himself. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly. That in the latter times, some, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Just an introduction tonight, we see in verses 1 through 3, we see the atmosphere that Paul is telling us about. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Does that atmosphere sound like anywhere you know today? That sounds like the very day and the hour in which we are living in. Because we are, he was warning Timothy of a time of apostasy. And you see the day and hour in which we are living in, we are living in a day of apostasy. When people no longer want the Word of God, they no longer want to know anything about truth, but they are giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We are living in a day when people will just follow after whatever they hear, and whatever they want to believe is okay and it's fine, and they will follow after anyone and anything, seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. They are commanding things that God forbids, and they are forbidding things that God commands. You know how you know the difference between God and some of these evil things of the day of the apostasy? If God commands it, and they forbid it. And God forbids it, and they command it. They will always say the opposite of what the Word of God teaches. They never stand by the truth. And they always contradict the truth. And the Word of God never has a contradiction. If you read long enough, it's going to explain itself sooner or later. But they always contradict themselves when they're going with false doctrine and apostasy. You say, so okay, you can't say the day of apostasy is coming. That's the atmosphere we are living in today. You say, when is it coming? Well, we're living in it right now. It says that in the latter time. Some shall depart from the faith. Do you not believe tonight that we are closer to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ's return than we have ever been before? You see, sooner or later, it could be today, it could be a hundred years from now, but we are closer to the return of Jesus than ever before. We are living in the last of the last days before Jesus calls his bride home and calls up the dead in Christ. We're living in those last days. We're living in this atmosphere of apostasy when people no longer want the things of God. 
sake, and we'll see when this atmosphere is, when this apostasy comes, is in the last days. But you say, okay, well, how is it going to happen, Paul? Well, he tells us that in verse number three. He says, speaking lies in hypocrisy. When these doctrines of devils come, when they're starting in the day in which we're living, they are speaking lies in hypocrisy. Many of these religions, many of these false teachers, they want to claim Christ. They want to claim that they are Christian. They want to claim that they are biblical. They want to claim that they are having a true religion of God Himself, but rather they are professing Christ, but with their own works and with their own words and with their own actions, they are denying the power thereof. They have a form of godliness, but they have no idea who God is and what He does and all the things of God. They've got no understanding of these things. They want to claim the things of God, but with their own mouth and profanity and ungodliness, they disprove the very thing that they are saying. We are living in a day of apostasy. We see this atmosphere, when it, atmosphere, when it is, how it is, but what will it be like? We see verse 3. Verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Do we not know many people in the day and many religions that have their conscience seared with a hot iron? They have no understanding of truth. Verse 3, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meat, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So we've already said it. They like to forbid what God commands, and they like to command what God forbids. We're always doing the opposite of what God is teaching. So we see the atmosphere that Paul is showing us. It's the day now in which we're living when people are running away from God and seeking after worldly pleasures and worldly lusts and just doing whatever they want to do and following after seducing spirits and doctrines of death. The atmosphere. But then we see in verse number 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the Word of God and prayer. We not only see the atmosphere that Paul is showing us, but then we see the awareness that Paul is speaking us about. Paul is telling them, you see this atmosphere you're living in? It's not a good one. Paul's saying this atmosphere that's going to come in the day that you live in, it is not something that you need to just go with everybody else coming. It's not something where you just follow the crowd. If everybody else does it, it's okay. And it's, he's showing the truth to Timothy. And tonight, we need to understand what the truth is. We don't just need to follow after anybody and everything and follow after the seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils that he's telling us about. Don't get caught up in this atmosphere of the world and of the devil and of all of these evil and wicked devices that Satan has got to offer. Paul is saying you need some awareness about you. You need to have an alarm. You need to know the truth and what is not the truth. The atmosphere, the awareness that Paul teaches us about is for every creature of God is good nothing to be received, but if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. There's the awareness. The truth right there. But then we not only see the atmosphere and the awareness, but we get to verse 6 and it says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, 
nursed up in the words of faith and of the doctrine whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wives' tables. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. Paul is saying you need to put some things in remembrance. You need to think on some things. You need to consider some things. And as born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, there are some things that we need to hide in our hearts. There are some things that we need to meditate upon. And we need to give heed to the Word of God. We don't need to follow after false doctrine, but rather we need some sound, good doctrine that is found only in the Word of God. We see the atmosphere. We see the awareness. But now we see the application of false things. He's saying there's some things that you need to apply to your life. There's some things that you need to partake in. He says, these things refuse, in verse number 7, but refuse profane and old wives' tables. Exercise thyself rather than God. He's saying, don't just believe what you hear. Don't just believe any old story that anybody will tell you because it, just because somebody said it doesn't mean it's true. How did you know that? The truth likes to get twisted as it goes on. Don't just believe any of that. Don't believe the old wives. Don't believe those old stories that the world and the devil and the demons want to tell you. Don't just believe anything. But he says, rather exercise thyself unto godliness. He's saying you don't need to just believe anything, but there is something that you need to believe. You need to believe that the things of the world are not important, but the things of God are important. You don't just need to believe any story, but you need to believe God's story. You need to apply them to your life. He says, exercise thyself rather than the godliness. Verse 8, for bodily exercise profiteth little. He is not saying that we should not exercise and keep ourselves healthy. It's not an excuse not to keep yourself healthy tonight, but he's rather saying that bodily exercise is only for this life. It would do us some good in this life to exercise, yes, but he's saying, but that will not matter in eternity. It will not matter in the next life. You cannot take this body and the things of this life with you. So he says bodily exercise profiteth little, but but then he says in verse 8, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come, godliness is profitable unto all things. He's saying that bodily exercise may not be any good, but for now, but godly exercise will profit you everything. Godly exercise and being godly in this life will not only last here, but it will last down through the ages. Doing what God wants us to do following after the things of God and being lovers and seekers of righteousness will profit us in the next life. It's an application that we need to make. Yes, he's talking to Timothy, who is a man of God, but we as Christians can also apply this to our lives. That we should follow after the righteousness that is Christ Jesus. Instead of being lovers of the flesh, we should be lovers of God. Seek after Him, love Him, and adore Him. So we see the atmosphere, we see the awareness, we see the application. Godliness profiteth to eternity. 
But tonight we get to verse 9. Last night I told you we're going to deal with this series, Lord willing, to read tonight about faithful sayings for the Christian life. And Paul has four of these faithful sayings down through some of his books that he's written. And we looked last night at faithful sayings for the Christian life in contrary times. And tonight I want to look at this thought of faithful sayings for the Christian life in carnal times. In carnal times. When the whole world's going against God, when the whole world's living for their flesh and living for themselves, what are we going to do? Are we going to go with them or are we going to apply the things that Paul was teaching Timothy to our life? So we get to verse 9 and it says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. You see, this is a true saying. This is a just saying. This is a right saying. It is good because God has spoken it. It's faithful. It lasts. It is good throughout eternity. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation tonight. It's a faithful saying tonight that we should be, number one, we should be invested. We should be invested. Verse 10 for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all, especially of those that believe. See, it's a faithful thing tonight that we should be invested. Look at what verse 10 says. It says, For therefore we both labor and suffer. Not only do we labor, not only do we suffer, but it says we trust. We should have some investment in our life. I want to ask tonight, what are you invested in? Are you invested in labor for yourself? Are you suffering for your own sake? Are you trusting in the things of this world in your own self? Or are you laboring for God? Are you suffering for God, and are you trusting in God? What are you invested in tonight? What is the biggest thing that, what is your biggest priority in life? What is at the top of your ladder when it comes to things that are of utmost importance? Is it your job? Is it your family? Or is it God? I believe that we've become like that church we have left our first love. And rather than investing in things of eternity and things of God, see, if, if we do something today and it doesn't have an impact on eternity, then it is vanity. It is of no use. We might, if we come to church and it doesn't affect eternity, then we might as well just sit at home and do nothing. What are you invested in tonight? We need to be invested in the things of God. We need to be invested in being willing to labor and work for the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to be willing to do whatever it is that God would call us to, whatever it is that He would allow us to partake in the ministry, whatever it may be, cleaning the church, preaching, singing, going out and knocking on doors, whatever it may be that God would allow us to do with everything, every fiber in our being, we should invest in the things of God. Faithful things that we labor for and we suffer for. Are you willing to suffer for 
God. And not only do we labor and we suffer with our investment, but with our investment, we trust in the living God. Think of that. Are you trusting in some other God? Are you trusting in some little G God? Are you trusting in yourself? Are you trusting in others? Or are you trusting in the living God? You see, tonight, it's not that we should be invested in Buddha. It's not that we should be invested in Muhammad. But it is that we should be invested in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of the living God, who is alive forevermore on the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for you and I. We are trusting in a God that is not dead, a God who has not been in peace, a God who has not stepped down from the throne, but He is still in control. He is still on the throne, and He is still worthy of our trust and our investment. It's a faithful thing we should be invested. We should rely on Him with our every day. We should be invested. Why should we be invested? Why should we trust this God? Just because He's alive, why should we trust Him? Why should we labor for Him? Why should we suffer for Him? Look at what it says in verse 10. Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. I don't punch some people in the gut every all of them nowadays, but anyway. He's the Savior of all men, but especially of those who believe. Why should we invest in Him? Why should we labor and suffer and trust in Him? What should we do for you? Think about what the great God of heaven sent His only begotten Son. He opened up the portals of glory and allowed Him to descend and be God manifested in the flesh. Holy Ghost conceived and born of a virgin. He allowed him to live in the flesh as we live. And he was tempted at all points as we are tempted. And yet we have outsinned. He lived a life that we could not live. Did what we could not do. Fulfilled a law that we could not fulfill. And he walked up, dogged up the hill, knowing his destiny. It was didn't catch him by surprise. But as he was born, he, he knew his purpose was to die for the sins of man. And he labored and he suffered and he trusted God that he could die and be the Savior of all men. So if he would be willing to do that for us, should we not be willing to invest everything that we have in him? It's a faithful thing we should be invested. Labor, suffer, and trust him. Not only should we be invested, but it is a faithful saying that we look at verse 11. These things command you peace. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Not only is it a faithful saying that we should be invested, it is a faithful saying that we should be inspired. Whatever it is that you know about God, you know the truth of Him, you know 
everybody died and was buried and rose again, and then I'm going to preach it. You know the truth of the Word of God. You've read it. You've heard it. You've learned it. Tell somebody else about it. We should be inspiring others for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just hiding it and not sharing it. But we should go into all the world and preach the gospel. Every preacher, we should preach it. We should command the words of God. And in verse 12, we should be inspiring because he said, Let no man despise thy youth. What's he talking about? I believe Paul's saying, Don't ruin your testimony. Don't shipwreck your life with the things of this world. Let no man despise thy youth. I believe he's saying, Timothy, don't do anything that's so contrary to the Word of God that anybody would even have any facts to say that you didn't please God. Live in such a way that when they do say something bad about you, that everybody that knows you knows it's a lie. Let no man despise that youth. How are we living? Are we living our lives in such a way that we show others the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ and the grace and the mercy of Christ Jesus? Are we living in a way that we are living holy and righteous in the sight of God and in the sight of others? And they look at our lives and they see God in us. Are we inspiring anyone? Brother David talked about it yesterday. Are we living in a way where they look at us and say, I want what they have. Are we inspiring? Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer. In word, how are we to be an example? In word, in conversation. What's the words that you're saying to everybody else? What kind of words do you use in public? I'm not just talking about when you're at the house of God. What kind of words are you using at your home in front of your family? What kind of words are you using at that job that you work every single day? What are they hearing coming out of your mouth? In words? In conversation? When you're conversing with somebody else, what are you talking about? Are you listening to all the same dirty jokes and telling all the same dirty jokes as everybody else? Or is your conversation different than everybody else? Be inspiring in your words, in your conversation, in charity. Are we loving people like we should? If we're not loving them the same way that Christ loved us, then we're not loving them good enough. Because we are to love them the same way He has loved us. Even if they hurt us. In charity. In spirit. Not just our actions and our words for them, but what about our spirit towards other people? We got quiet because a lot of us have a wrong spirit with a lot of people. And I'm preaching to myself too. We hold grudges. We get bitter. Somebody says one false thing to us and they don't even know they said it, and we are angry and upset with them. We come to the house of God and we say we want revival. We say we want God to move. God do something good. God save souls. God save lives. But we come in with a spirit that is grieving the Holy Spirit. We come in with this bitterness and this pride and this selfishness and this hate in our hearts towards other people. And we cannot be right with God if we are not right with everyone else. Are you inspiring in your spirit, your attitude? the way you feel towards others. 
heard in conversation. So we create faith. If your faith is shattered to every heard is every time a child comes your way, you get depressed and you get down. And I'm not saying that we don't do that. But if your faith in God is so big that others see you living for God. They don't see anything good. They wonder, well, what's the big difference? They have just lost the reason. They do the same things we do. They go the same places we go. They act the same way we act. They talk the same way we talk. They walk the same way we walk. And they won't darken the door of the church because we have not inspired them. And tonight, if we are saved and born again and we are not showing them Christ, their blood will be on our hands. The faithful thing we should be investing and we should be inspiring, we should be telling others. And not only telling them, we should be showing them. We should be living it in front of not just preaching it, but practicing it. Are you inspiring them? We ought to be invested. We ought to be inspired. Well, look at verse 13. He said, I come to the sinner's children. Raise your attention to doctrine. Neglect not the gift, and that is in me, which is given not by giving me, by prophecy, but the laying on of the hands of the messenger. Meditate upon these things, give thyself holy to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt have saved thyself, and them that hear thee. Tonight, this is a faithful saying, number one, we should be investing. This is a faithful saying, number two, that we should be inspiring. And number three, this is a faithful saying, we should be involved.
the doctrine of the Bible. We should be involved in the saying and the way and the teaching of God's Word. Verse 14, so now he said, give attendance to some things. Be involved in this thing. But he also said, to be involved in something else. He said, give attendance to this and neglect not the gift that is in you. You know what we need to be involved in? Whatever gift God has given you, you need to be using it for the glory of God. You know, we've got people that can sing and they won't sing for us, okay? We've got people that God's calling to preach, but they will not submit to the calling. We've got people that are able to come to church every time the doors are open, but yet they are not here. We've got people that could go on visitation, but yet they don't do it. We've got people that have gifts from God, people that can do the sound room, people that can clean the church, people that have got gifts from God, but they are not using them. But how we should not neglect, because if we don't use it, what if God takes it from us? Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Serve God. Live your life for Him. Whatever you see, everybody don't have the same gift. Everybody don't have the same calling. But whatever God has called you to do, whatever God has put in you, whatever talent, whatever ability that He has allowed you to have, use it not for yourself, but use it to the glory of God. Be involved in the things of God. Serve and live for him. Do his will. Be involved. Give attendance to these things, he said. He said, neglect not the gift that's in thee. He said, neglect not the gift that's in thee. Not just those gifts and talents that he's given us. But what about that greater gift that's inside of us? The Holy Ghost of God. Don't neglect that gift. Don't neglect the the leading of the Spirit of God. Don't neglect that sweet Holy Ghost that tells you, don't do that, don't go there. Neglect not the gift that's in me. Don't neglect that Spirit of God when He's saying, you need to go tell that person, you need to go and do this, you need to do that. Don't neglect the Spirit. Don't neglect the gift that is in me. Give attendance to neglect not the gift. Verse 16, meditate upon these things. Give thyself holy to them that thou to God, we read them, we forget them. We hear the preaching of God and we forget about it. We hear the songs of God and we forget about it. But he said back there in verse number 6, put these in remembrance. Command and teach these things, he said. He said, meditate upon these things. What are we meditating upon? Are we meditating upon our problems? Are we meditating upon material things? Are we wanting more and more money and more and more things? Are we wanting to work more? Are we wanting to go fishing more? Are we wanting to go hunting more? Are we meditating upon the Word and the wisdom of God? And wanting to learn more about it and get to know Him better and better every day. Are you involved in the things of God? Are we giving attendance to? Are we neglecting not the gift? Are we meditating upon it? Think about it, church. Consider these things. Read it. Put it in the Bible. 